Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's been really incredible to have Jason and Lori here um, over this past couple weeks. Did you guys enjoy them? Yeah, they're awesome. Really love them. Uh, so they're back in the land of the East. Is that where they are? Yeah. Ottawa. Ottawa, but it was so incredible to have them. And they started, um, they started off with a series called Resilient Discipleship. Resilient Disciples, which we're going to carry on. And they did part one and part two here at Life Church. And today, I'm just going to carry on. I'm going to do part three. And part three is called Meaningful Relationships. And that's the, the third one in this series for us. And it's a, it's a crucial part of what the church should look like. And um, this is a, a series that we've adapted from Ottawa, and we're excited to preach this and get along with them. And so there's other sessions as well that we might watch on videos or so, but today you got the live 3D version of Bish. Okay, so let's start. There's a lady called Heather Thompson Day, and she once said, our problem isn't always simply the problem. We often don't have people to guide us through the problem, which is the real problem. That's pretty deep if you think about it. It just means that we got to deal with people and we got to deal with ourselves. Now, one big problem that we do face today is that we are intergenerational, right? Like there's a bunch of different generations that's still alive on earth. All right, can we acknowledge that? There's a bunch of different generations in this church this morning. And that's pretty cool. Like God didn't put a hard stop to a generation. Okay, if he did that, everyone would die and the next generation would start. But the way that it works now is that generations need to live together with one another on earth. Okay, but this also presents a problem because we've seen how this plays out. We've seen that it's pretty hard for generations to kind of like, like mingle and get together and do life together. It's pretty hard, but there's certain things that we have to realize what we were placed on earth here for. And generations have a big role in this. I know that some generations, if you ask them, they'll tell you that they don't feel heard, they don't feel seen, they don't feel understood. And sometimes, yeah, that's true. I mean, Generation Z, they're trying to make up a whole new language. <laughs> you know, you get, <clears throat> there's so many words going around that they just make up. And it's pretty funny, actually. Has anyone heard of the word uh, yes, there's one, sus. Okay, that's, that's not in my notes, but now it is. <clears throat> sus. Anyone heard of the word wig? Wigging out? Ryan, you're with it. What generation are you? Yes, wig. A wig. Anyone knows this to be a... Well, this is not a wig. This is real. But anyone... That's what I know a wig is. Okay. Now, I found out, because I don't speak that language. I speak Afrikaans and a bit of English. I don't speak this other kind of language that's being presented uh, to us. Wig is a word that you use nowadays. I'm going to read it for you. It's something that you can say to express admiration for something when it's so exciting to you it literally blows the wig off your head. <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. I mean, now, just using the word wig is an expression. 
All right, we use worship in church. Imagine if we just shouted wig, wig, wig the whole time. It's weird. Okay, <clears throat> it's weird. Another one, you might have heard this one, bougie. Yeah? Bougie. Okay, you see a lot of people are familiar with that. Do you know what bougie means or do you just use it? Bougie, I'll tell you what it means. Bougie is a term that you could use to describe someone who is fancy and likes extravagant things. There's a new word for you, word of the day, bougie. Everyone say bougie. All right, Carla loves bougie things. Carla's shoes are bougie. Carla's, yeah, <laughs> everything is bougie. Okay, here's my favorite one. <clears throat> and this was great. It's called dank. Anyone heard of that one? <laughs> it's close. No, not quite. Everyone say dank. Dank. D-A-N-K. Dank. I don't get this one because dank is slang for something that is excellent and of very high quality. <laughs> yes, that's my reaction. What? That's right. So if you think something is <laughs> so high quality, like Carla's shoes, you would say, dank? Woo! That girl is bougie. Yo, those shoes are dank. Wig. You know, I don't, I, it just doesn't sound right. It seems like there's, there can be a disconnect between generations. And for us, it's kind of easy to know that that disconnect can happen between generations that talk like that and generations that don't talk like that. But it goes the other way too. The boomers, Generation X, all these generations, if you were to take a survey and you'd ask them, they would say that they don't feel heard, they don't feel understood, and mo a lot of the times they feel alone. And this also happens in different parts of life, in different seasons of life. It's not just in generations where we feel like this, where we feel like people don't understand us. It's not just the young ones, it's all of us. But in different areas of life, newly married people, new parents, like business people, non-business people, whatever it might be, whatever different area of life you're in, there seems to be a separation that we put up all the time. And this is what, I, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about meaningful relationships because this is how we become resilient disciples. Are you guys ready? Yeah, four of you. Let's get five. Five of you ready? Good. We ask those kind of questions so we can take sips of water in between things. So we need you to participate. Yeah, we need some feedback, all of that. Okay. Now, before we go on, <clears throat> let's just do a little exercise quick. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you look good today. <clears throat> okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Now... A wig. <laughs> Tell them, you look wig. Dank. Woo. All right, now turn to the other person on the other side and say, you look almost as good. Okay? Now, if you're married and you're smart, you turn to your wife first. Okay? Just looking out for y'all. Okay, hopefully that's what happened. <laughs> what just happened there is you basically just established a little community because it's you and two other people 
we're going to look at this today. And it's important to know because there's statistics, there's a Harvard, um, <clears throat> there's some Harvard statistics that says that one out of three people, it's like a little bit more because it's 36% 30 of people feel that they don't have anyone that they can talk to. One out of three people feel like they are alone. One out of three people feel like they are constantly dealing with life and things that come up in their life, challenges or whatever it might be. One out of three people say that they don't have anyone in their life. And that's pretty rough when you think about it because that could be you or one of the other two people that you just spoke to that might feel like that. And that's a pretty harsh statistic. And this is why... We can talk about this stuff in church because it's fun. This kind of stuff is fun, right? Not really. <clears throat> but hey, we're going to do it. If we look at relationships and we want to talk about relationships, and today we're going to talk about relationships and community, that unity that we need to have, we have to go back to the beginning of the word because this is where it all started. And it, only, it will make sense only when we go back to the beginning. All right? Anyone know what the beginning of the Bible is? The book of? Okay, good. We're in church this morning. All right, so I'm going to start there. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Okay, God created all these kind of things. Like God created the heavens and the earth, the trees and the bushes and all this stuff, all this, the African lands and everything. He created it all. And what did God say every time he created something? He said it was? It was good. Even when he made man, he said it was? <laughs> Very good. He said it was good. But if we jump to Genesis 2 verse 18, I think we have it up here. It says, the Lord God said, hey, wait a minute. I know I said man is good. But here's the thing. It is not good for man to be alone. So I will make him a helper that is fit for him. And all the men said, Amen. Yes, please, some of you. Dear Lord, please, yes. Yes, please, Lord. <clears throat> you see, God created everything and he said it was good. But then he had that moment and he said, oh, hang on. Man cannot be alone. Let me create something, I I'd say, it, better, <laughs> okay, to be his companion. So God created the woman and he said, after that, I believe he said, dang, Woo! Now that, that's good. <clears throat> I don't think the Lord used that. <clears throat> but <laughs> the Lord said, it is good. But it is not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper for him. You see, in Genesis 1, 26, it says, God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. All right? We've all read that scripture. Yeah? Anyone? Okay. Let's read it again, and let's just emphasize a couple words, because this is the beginning. This is the beginning of everything. This is the beginning of creation, where this, this happened. All right, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Do you see where I'm getting at? Relationship and the sense of community where there's more than one was already created when we showed up. We were created out of relationship. And this is why it is important for us to be in relationship and understand what relationship really is and what community looks like. Because God himself is three 
in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Out of that, out of that bundle of joy, that unity, that community, we were created. And so why do we choose to be alone if we were created from within relationship? Just a rhetorical question, don't answer that. But I'm pointing that out because it's so important for us to understand that we were made out of the Trinity. You were not created to be alone and to be on your own. God himself is three in one, and it's a portion of himself where we came from. He took himself, he placed himself on earth for us. It's one portion of him. But now when we get back to him, we form that community again. But we also have a bigger, a bigger deal at hand that we have to deal with. And this is where the church comes in. And it's amazing to see an almost full church this morning, which is incredible, which is why I said congratulations for making it out this morning. Because you had a choice to not come this morning. You had a choice to not come and connect with one another. A problem that we see over and over and over again is that people actually now want to be alone. We've experienced this over this past couple of years. All of us, we were forced to be alone and to isolate. But we know that that's a tactic of the enemy. It's one of his biggest and most powerful tactics that he has, and that's to withdraw people from one another and to isolate one another. That's what the enemy does. But you see, that's a challenge for us. That is something that we have to deal with as humankind because we got feelings and we got stuff, all right? But at least on the other hand, if you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus actually already prayed for this. Anyone, uh, was anyone here during our Christmas season heard the frankincense sermon? Yeah, today is frankincense 2.0 because we're, seeing, we're just going to read and see that Jesus was already back then praying for us, and he's still praying for us now. But if we go to the book of John, John 17, in verse 11, it says where Jesus prayed, Keep them in your name, Lord, for which you have given me, that they may be one forever, even as we are one. You see, Jesus knew that we would struggle with this thing of being pulled apart and being isolated one day. And so he started praying back then. And he's still praying for that. And so, no, if you feel a draw towards community, towards, like, people, towards others, if you feel that draw, that is the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart because it's those, those prayers of grace that Jesus did back then that's coming to life even now. In verse 20, it goes on, and it's, he says, I do not ask this only for them, but also for those who will still believe in me through their word. And so, basically, Jesus is not just praying for Christians or believers, all right? Jesus is pretty dank and cool. And he prays even for those who don't follow him yet. All right? Who here does that? We might pray when things are tough. You might pray when people need a miracle. People turn to God. People who don't even believe in God believe in prayer for some reason. But Jesus prayed for their souls and for their hearts. Jesus prayed for them because he knew that one day they will have a chance to meet him. And the hope is that they say yes. Now, if I ask you, let's, let's hear a little bit. If I ask you, what are some of the greatest miracles that Jesus did when he was on earth? Let's hear some. Give me one. Yes, resurrection. Lazarus being Jesus himself resurrecting. Okay, perfect. 
All right, more. Let's hear. You're allowed to talk. It's church. It's okay. He walked on water. 5,000 feet to 5,000. Dave is very excited about turning water into wine. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? One more. One more. Yes. All right. You see, we have so many stories about what we read about Jesus, all the miracles that he did. And all of those are awe-inspiring moments. Yes. But yet sometimes we overlook one of the other greatest miracles that he did. And that was bringing 12 people together to form community and relationship. A lot of times we underestimate the power of being together and the power of relationships, what it can have. And that's why the church was born and we were born for one another. The church was established so we can be together, lift up his name together. And so that impressive, beautiful miracle that Jesus did by bringing, you see, we don't know that as a miracle, but it is. Because do you know someone different than you? Anyone? Yeah. Or is everyone just like you? Awesome, just like you. Dank, just like you. No, we're all different. And can I get an amen on this? Sometimes you need a miracle to get together with people, right? Yes, I'm not talking about our life groups at church here, but sometimes it feels like we need a miracle for us to be able to talk to someone else. That's what I'm saying. That's a very overlooked miracle that Jesus brought these disciples together because you have Matthew... You have all these different disciples. They were administrative. Some of them were caring. Some of them were super faith-filled. Some of them were encouraging. It's all different kinds of people. Now coming together in a room, yeah, that creates a problem. But somehow the presence of Jesus kept them, brought them and kept them together. And that's what we have to learn from that, that that was a miracle that Jesus performed. I'm quickly going to demonstrate something here if you let me. I will do this. Evan, can I use this mic? Okay, one second. One, two, one, two. Okay. All right. You can still hear me. Allow me to just demonstrate it this way. Jesus, three in one. Okay? He's not alone. There's impact when things come together. Now, I love music. I'm a musician, I play guitar, I just love listening to music because music makes me feel things. Music brings emotion forth. And so this is what happens when we actually come together as a church, first of all, but also when you come together as a family and start having awesome, meaningful relationships. When you come together, there's movement and there's beautiful things that happen. So if I go, I play this, all right? This is an E note. Anyone feel great? Like, do you feel emotional? Huh? No, you probably think I'm going to tune my guitar because that's what it sounds like, right? If I just play that E note on its own, it's nothing. It doesn't work. And this is like you saying no to having relationships in your life. And I'm not talking just emotional, romantic relationships. I'm talking about friendships, fellowship, mentorships, and any kind of ship that you can think of, really. But it's like being alone is not great. It's not nice. But now if I play that E note and I just start adding notes and play them all together, I start to get a chord, okay? 
So if you take a bunch of different people like this one, maybe that person, maybe this one, maybe that one is a Gen Z, they're a bit emotional. Yeah, they're a little different, you know, and you just put them together and you play them all at once. In music, when you take a bunch of notes and play it all at once, it's called a chord. Okay, now close your eyes for one second. Okay, I'm gonna ask you, do you feel any emotion changing when I just play these simple single notes? No. Okay. Now keep your eyes closed and just tell me if you hear or feel something when I play chords. Right? There's something that you can feel when people come together. Amen? Yeah, thank you. And so this is what we have to grasp. This is what we have to like, start to acknowledge more because this is what happens when the church comes together and sometimes it's exciting. You know, sometimes it's exciting, but sometimes it can be very emotional. Very, very emotional. You know, but sometimes you just get... You get all different kinds of people coming together. And when I play single notes, they all belong to this chord. Alright? So I'm playing an E chord, but all the... All of those notes... All of that belongs to this chord. And then that goes back to the note that I played before. And that's just the E note. Do you see how just like music, the church was established? People together, people coming together to form and to just lift up our Creator's name. Now coming together, all of a sudden, we start feeling emotion, but there's power in that. When we come together, we start forming chords. So people from now on are notes, okay? And when we put them together, we get a, a chord, which we will call community or church. Amen. Okay, so I just do that because I love music, and that's the only way I can demonstrate things as silly as it is. All right, who's ever been a part of such an incredible friend group that you just get excited about doing things together? Now this might be, yeah, I see a couple hands. This might have been more, you know, noticeable when you were young, you know, because those were the fun days. You call each other up, you do, you know, back in the day you send a dove with a note and you wait for your friend to show up. Nowadays, just send a text who you've never met, <laughs> hoping that they would show up online. Um, <clears throat> no. But as kids, I know I had a friend group and we used to like ride our bicycles and don't worry, I'm not gonna tell another Ant story. So relax, this is worse. We had, no, I'm kidding. Um, we used to just ride around on our bicycles, uh, a big clang of dudes and it was awesome. It was incredible. That was my friend group. And when we started to plan things, we would get excited together. We would get excited together. When someone was in trouble, we would get sad together. You see the trend? 
when you start forming a community, start forming a group, when you become part of a group, and for us, church is a group, you start feeling things together. You start being sad together. You start being like excited together. And guess what? You start praying together. You start singing together. You start dancing together. But we don't do those things anymore. We don't see it that often. Culture has changed. And churches certainly has changed the way that it looks. But man, oh man, we all have this one common denominator still, and his name is Jesus. And that's the thing that should bring the unity between us, just like the disciples, the group of the disciples. Because there's power when we move together. Amen? Okay, now, another problem that we have is so many problems. Come on. Oh, yeah, maybe it's all to do with people. Yeah. Okay, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get to the solution, okay? Another problem that we have, unfortunately, as Christians, as believers of God, we tend to look at others through our own spiritual lens. And this is just a harsh truth. We tend to look at others only by, like, how good my relationship with Him is. And in church, it's like, oh, that guy is not on level three tongues. Uh-uh. You're not dank yet. I can't talk to you. That kind of thing. You know, oh, they don't make 250K a year yet. I'm not going to surround myself with them. I'm not going to talk to them. Because in business, they teach you, you, are, you become like the people you surround yourself with. We've started to set up these kind of filters in our life. Or like, I'm a young married couple. Well, we are a young married couple. We've been married for three months. So all I want to do is tell everyone how amazing marriage is and how great advice I can give you three months in. So all you do is surround yourself with young married couples. You invite them over and it's so fun. You know, new kids. Oh, all of a sudden you have a baby. Now you just start to look for people who has little babies. And we start compartmentalize ourselves and our lives in a way where God still wants to do incredible things in and through you and also through other people. And so we might shut some people out of our lives. And this is a big problem, especially in churches, because we have different generations all together. You don't usually get this in like businesses or something like that. Churches are awesome because you have young ones to the very big ones, tall ones. I'm just going to say tall. We don't use the O word in church. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So, if you think about it, it's kind of like, has anyone gone to autotrader.ca? Anyone? Yes. <laughs> anyone? Okay. If you're looking for a car, you go to autotrader and you start your search. Okay, then there's a page that comes up and it asks you, hey, thank you for being here. Now tell me what you want. And on AutoTrader, there's this counter that shows you how many cars are available. Okay, but now, then there's these little blue lines, and you start inputting different filters. I would say, what brand I want? Okay, I want the Volkswagen. Okay, now all of a sudden, 100,000 went down to 50,000. Okay, now next thing, I want a SUV. Oh, now your options get even, like, more limited. And as you put these, all these other filters on, you put the price range in, the maximum mileage, all of this, you start adding those things, your 
your, uh, your options become much less, and you can see that number shrink. And this is a lot of times what we do in church when we start looking at people saying, they're not from my generation, or they're too old, so I don't want to engage with them. See, you can go to church for years and years and years upon years, and we've seen this a lot. Not in our church, obviously. Life Church is perfect, <laughs> right? You can go to church for years and still not know more than two or three people's names, including the pastor and the office admin. This is sad, actually. This is super sad, but this is the reality that we see in a lot of churches because we're afraid to open up. And if there's anything that culture has taught us, it's to withdraw ourselves and to be isolated from one another. We can't like, blame things like pandemics and things like that. It's still a choice that we have in order to open up to others around us. See, followers of Jesus develop resiliency by cultivating meaningful relationships with one another in the church. To become a resilient disciple of Jesus, you're gonna have to open up your house and your heart to more and more people. I know that's not something that all of us want to hear all the time, but this is something that God is calling us to. I love saying this, and I feel like this is a phrase that God has imparted on my heart a long time ago, and I've been saying it in, like, in regards to everything in my life. And whenever I have conversation with someone and we're talking about either like community or relationships or things to do, whatever it might be, it, I always feel the Lord nudge in my heart to say that He's doing something in you for the sake of doing something through you. He never does something in you and that's it. Never. Never ever. He does things in us so He can keep doing things through us. Amen? Say, Jesus works in me for the sake of working through me. Okay, everyone's still awake? I think so. I heard a couple people talk, so that's great. All right, we see this a lot with, uh, we mentioned this earlier, the feeding of the thousands. You know, we all know that story where there's a couple loaves of breads and some fishies, not fishy crackers, just normal fishies, and just a couple of those, like a handful but they were able to feed thousands upon thousands. Is that a miracle? Yes, 100% yes. But if you read the story, it's in Matthew 14. If you read it, you would see that Jesus actually performed the miracle to those close to him, to the disciples. And then, how were the people fed? They fed them. So Jesus did something in them so he can do something through them. The miracle happened because they had to carry it out. You see, God wants to do something in you today. God wants to keep doing something in you every single day. Because as long as you live, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God is going to want to move in you for the sake of moving through you. Amen? That's the kind of miracle that we need today. It's the miracle in your heart. And know this, that God will be working in you before he starts working in your house, in your home, or in church. I know that sounds weird, but if God doesn't work in you, He's not working in the church. He's not working on the church. We are the church. We are the people. If God doesn't move and work in us, the church is not doing anything. And so we have to realize that you 
Like all of you, every single one of you, whether or not you're involved, we hope that you get involved and serve and do all kinds of things for the church. But if you don't carry the relationship with Jesus on the sleeve of your arm, how are the people going to know that he is good, that he's faithful? How are they going to know what we sing on Sunday mornings actually has impact on our lives? You see, this is a big call that we sometimes miss. And we think that hearing and saying the name of Jesus is meant for Sundays here at church or Tuesday night life groups. I know this is not a glamorous, glamorous message this morning, but it's something that we do have to realize. We have to start having meaningful relationships in our lives to become resilient disciples. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, this morning is pretty short. <clears throat> this is great. I'll ask the worship team to come up, and I'm going to end with, with this. There's a couple of things that I want us to see this morning. And uh, we're just going to call them the ships. The ships. Everyone say ship. Okay, make sure your pronunciation is right. Ship. Okay, we're going to talk about a couple of ships, boats, this morning. All right, there's four of them. And these are the kind of ships that need to become real in your life, that you really have to dive deeper into in order to become a more resilient disciple of Jesus. Because this is what the church needs. If a church is going to grow and change a world, change your community, change families, and you don't even believe that God can do stuff, how should the people out there believe that He can do stuff? They look at the church to see how great He is. That's just what happens. And so if your life doesn't portray the goodness of God, they got nothing to look at. Okay, so this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Four ships. Number one, the first one, is uh, we need fellowship. It's up there. Fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. All right, we know what fellowship is. Fellowship is the people in our lives who share the same beliefs and mission. Where do we get fellowship? Sunday mornings, fine. Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, life groups, all of that, fine. Because we have fellowship because we deal with people in our lives who share the same beliefs and mission. So do you see that you can have fellowship at a coffee shop, in your house, wherever you go? You can have fellowship because it's getting together with the people who believe the same thing as you and carry the same mission, which is... Tell people about Jesus. Share the gospel. That's fellowship. That's ship number one. Everyone say fellowship. All right. Ship number two. Relationships. Relationships. Plural. All right. Relationships are people who we are real with and people who can be real with us. Now, this is a tricky one sometimes because... You don't always want people opening up to you. It's like, hey, how are you doing? And the 20 minutes later, you're like, <sighs> I'm not talking about that. We do get that as well. You know, feel free to tune out in those moments if you want to. Feel free to embrace it and listen to every word. Up to you. Different strokes, but different folks. Okay? Relationships in our life. These are the people that we are real with and the people that can be real with us. That's the second ship that we need to embrace. Number three, 
This is a cool one. I love this one. Super important. And this one we do see a lot generationally. And it's kind of like the only time we see it. Mentorship. Mentorship is people pouring into, into you who've learned a lesson or two in life. And this is why it tends to be, oh, I'm, I, I'll look to someone who's from a different generation because they've been through a lot. They've been through this before. I'm going to look to them. I'm going to let them mentor me. I'm going to let them be my accountability. Does anyone have that in their lives? Yeah? Mentorship does go both ways as well. Do you know that if you're a mentor to someone, that they're also mentoring you because you're spending time with them. Every time you engage with someone, there's an opportunity for something in you to shift. So don't just think, if you are a mentor, fantastic, keep doing it. Know that people from other generations can also mentor you, from younger, from the bottom up. That can also happen. And I'll tell you this, mentorship online is not mentorship. You following a TikTok trend or an Instagram account is not mentorship. If you can sit together with the person face to face, yes, it can be on a phone call if you have to, like FaceTime, if you have to, that's great. But if you can't talk to them one by one, it's not mentorship. We need accountability in our lives and we need people to look up to. And this is a crucial part of becoming a resilient disciple of Jesus because this is you being intentional about sharing life and what He's doing in you with others. Ship number three, everyone say mentorship. Okay, the very last ship to sail, friendship. <laughs> friendship is just that very, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, that close person, that super close person in your life. And this is a hard one to have all the time. This is something that has been hard and we can see this change. But this is actually biblical. This is biblical to have these things, to have fellowship, relationships, mentorship and friendship in your life is biblical and it's key to becoming that sturdy resilient disciple of Jesus that's excited listen that's excited to come to church and you're glad to be around other Christians why because when you're around other Christians you should have people in your life that you actually want to learn from and you might want to even like have one of their Christ-like characters I don't know when's the last time you looked at one of your friends and said, I want that, what he has. It's so attractive because that's Jesus in him. That's amazing. That character that he's carrying there is from Jesus. When's the last time someone told you that you have that? When's the last time that you looked at your friends, the people that you are in relationship with, thinking, man, that just showed me so much of Jesus. I want that in my life. That's the goal of having relationships. You enjoy being around one another and you learn from one another constantly. So when we do these four things, when we embrace them, we'll become a stronger church. Amen? Amen. No one ever woke up one morning saying, oh, oh, I have so many close friends. How did this happen? No one does that. That doesn't exist. It's hard work. It's tough being in relationship with people. People are weird. 
People are awesome until you get to know them most of the time. You know, there's a saying that goes, you only know someone if you've gone on vacation with them. Yeah, we all know what that's like. I knew, I thought, yeah, they were my friends. <laughs> Church, we got to be open to what God wants to do in us so that he can do stuff through us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. We're going to sing one more song. Lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.